0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paranormalized. We're in an attempt to normalize the paranormal. We share stories, concepts, and facts from this world of the unexplained. This is season three of our podcast that dives deep into any and all manner of the unknown. I'm your co-host, Drew. I'm Alex. And I'm Alicia. And welcome to Paranormalized. So we are here with Dan Smith, uh, just doing an interview with him. Uh, He is very well known within the paranormal world, does a lot of cool things, a lot of cool stuff. Dan, you want to give yourself just a brief introduction?
1: Hey, I'm Dan. I've been interested in researching the paranormal since 1995, so now the better part of my life. So I'm always just on the search for new information and trying to unlock some secrets as to what might be going on in people's experiences. That's generally me.
2: <laughs> and we have talked about Dan a lot during our podcast. He is the former owner of the company that we are now running, and he is our inspiration and our muse.
3: It's true. You are a
0: muse, <laughs> yeah, I finally get to put a voice to the uh, name. Not quite a face, but...
1: Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> Aw.
0: Uh, That is a good segue, your introduction into our first question, though, which is uh, when, I guess, when would be 1995 when your attraction to the paranormal began, but maybe more of how and why?
1: Yeah, as a teenager, my parents were in the middle of a divorce. They were separated. I was living between two houses. And I don't really remember a certain day that it started, but weird stuff started happening around my house, uh, either at my mother's or my father's house. Um, coming out of a room and my mother saying, turn off the light when you leave the kitchen or my father saying, um, turn off the light when you leave the bathroom. Uh, I remember one, at least one instance of some running water. And, um, I was basically lectured about saving energy. I was an only child, so there wasn't any brothers or sisters for me. And, I just gave that cliche answer. It wasn't me. It wasn't me, but it was happening. And then things seemed like um, over the summer of 1995, going back and forth, seemed like they intensified. And it became very regular for me to be riding down the road with somebody in a car. And as I passed underneath street lamps, they would burn out. Or at least turn off. Um, in some cases, you would look in the rear view mirror and they would come back on after um, a short distance, but they were definitely being affected by something. I didn't know what was happening, and um, it just kept ex- uh, escalating. And I don't know that I've ever told anybody this, but that summer, my father had a friend an old girlfriend from high school. Long ago, who passed away. And he already knew that weird stuff was happening around me. I remember coming to visit him and him telling me, "Um, you know, there's been this death. I want you to know, since you're used to this stuff, that weird stuff's been happening around the house. And it was um, just starting then. You know what? I'm wrong. It was the winter. It was the winter before because um, there was a fresh snow on the ground. In the middle of the night, sure enough, we were woke up by banging banging on the windows outside, like hard enough that I thought the windows are going to shatter. Someone's like, trying to bust their way in freaked me out. I'm only like 15, 14 at the time. And, um, my dad jumped up and that's the stuff that's been happening. That's the kind of stuff that's been happening. <laughs> and, um, look, looked out, you know, in the dark and the fresh snow and there's no footprints, no one was around. Um, so he hit that house has always had some activity. um, So I don't know if like being there and then going, going through what I was going through somehow intensified it. But that summer it got to the point where I started to feel like things were going to happen. I wouldn't say it was psychic. It was more of like a, just like a nervous shaky feeling. I could just tell when something was going to happen. Um, and there in the evening in my father's house, just sitting there watching television, he had the old cable box there and, um, I told him I feel like I feel weird, like something's gonna happen. I just don't feel right, and it wasn't long after that the TV started changing channels by itself. <laughs> and my dad <laughs> said, "What the heck are you doing? Put put down that uh, put down that remote control." And I didn't have it. We both looked at it on the uh, coffee table there. It was just changing channels, and this all happened so fast. I mean, when it's happening to you, it seems like eternity but yeah. this whole thing maybe happened in a minute maybe a whole minute maybe less but the tvs changing channels um the lights started to flicker on and off in the room that we were in in the living room um like like an electrical disturbance of some sort was happening the the tvs changing channels now and we had this really old ugly orange recliner that was like a family heirloom from the 1970s It was so old, like um, you had to use two hands to even crank the footrest open. (laughs) And there across the the, the living room there in the middle of these, um, the TV changing channels and the lights flickering on and off, that thing started to move. And right about the same time, these big, I don't know how to describe them. These bangs came through the house, but it wasn't so much a bang as like, as a big boom that shook the foundation. I couldn't tell you how many there were. It was really scary. Um, but like these foundation shaking booms and then that chair by itself, um, as we all were just, we both were just kind of like, uh, Oh, what's going on here? Freaked out on um, that chair by itself. opened the footrest. It just popped open hundred percent hard. Just, just open by itself. And it started rocking back and forth uh, in the middle of the room by itself. Really, fast and i got the chills telling that story i haven't <laughs> told that one in a while but we ran out to the front porch and my dad scolded me and he said okay i know this has been happening what are you into are you a, a witch are you conjuring spirits are you using a ouija board what are you doing and i was really scared too i i this just not me i what do you think i'm a, a magician like this is i i did not do this like i'm not into some dark arts um That was the culmination event, I think, because in the weeks after all the stuff that was happening before um, kind of died away, no pun intended, Uh, but the street lamps stopped burning out, the disturbances around the house, like the lights and things stopped happening, and it just stopped forever, and it never has happened since, but um, I didn't really know it was happening. I always joke and tell people that if I would have known how to control it, I could have charged my friend's admission, you know, I could have (laughs) made a killing off of this. Uh, hey, Jimmy, give me a quarter, give me that bubble gum and watch this, you know, but it wasn't like that. And, um, it wasn't until years later, um, I finally realized what might've been happening. So in the fall of 95, a friend of mine was, um, I was talking to said, dude, there's these two, uh, paranormal ghost hunters going to talk at the college. We should go, we should go see them. Cause dude, your house is haunted. <laughs> And uh, so we went that fall to the college and saw um, a lecture by Ed and Lorraine Warren. And oh, wow. um, that one really stuck with me. And I, we didn't really know who they were. I didn't know who they were at the time. They seemed to know what they were talking about. And I remember staying after for quite a long time with others and just kind of uh, mingling, asking questions. I remember um, getting a few tips from, from Ed. The only time I ever met them in my life. And I really didn't have um, an understanding of who they were at that time. Yeah. But that kind of set me on the path to, wow, people do this and people try to find answers. I want to know what happened to me. But not until years later that I realized that what I probably experienced is the, the new understanding of a poltergeist haunting, which is not caused by a spirit at all, but rather caused by a human agent of some sort. A stressed out teenager like me, maybe a menopausal woman, uh, someone going through um, uh pregnant pregnancy, um, death of a child, death of a spouse, but for as many people in the world that are going through these things, it's still a pretty rare and pretty um, misunderstood phenomenon. So I don't really have answers all these years later that except for maybe it was me and I don't know how it was happening, but that's what ironically set me on the path of this sort of um, delving into this topic.
0: That's really cool. I I had no idea that Ed and Lorraine Warren had helped guide you towards like realizing that this is a career kind of thing that can be turned into. So that's awesome. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I remember, I remember distinctly at first wanting nothing to do with it because they're showing these possession videos and uh, saying, don't watch too long or you could become possessed. And I'm thinking, Oh my God. (laughs) But then later on, you know, they're talking about like, Oh, we like to investigate the look for, um, uh, look for, um, trends and look for things that may be happening in cases. And I thought, well, oh, I can do that. That's not like demonic possession. That's not exorcism. Um, I don't remember that that well, but I do remember him giving a couple pointers to the group I was in, like just talking to us all and saying um, someone asked why, why they do it in the dark. I remember that. Um, and he said, well, it's not to be creepy or scary. It's because that's the, the time of day when there's the least interference happening. Yeah, The sun is down um, There's not as much interference in the environment There's less light interference There's less sound um, And it's just a pure environment I remember that
0: <laughs> and That tracks really well with everything That I know about you Because the entire time that I've known you You've always been much more into the, the science Behind all of it Than anybody that I've ever met So you really want to get into the answer Of the how and the why I guess more than it's hard
1: other. yeah it's hard when mainstream science doesn't know what's happening yeah so we draw so many of our theories um from those big studies that are done because we don't have funding like them so mainstream science doesn't know what's happening i mean look at for god's sakes like the einstein's relativity uh, theory of relativity says that time's not real <laughs> we know in the quantum re- realm that time's not real but now we're getting to the point where you know, they found the God particle, the Higgs boson. We're starting to understand more. But the more we understand, the less we know, I feel like, right now. Yeah, for Good sure.
3: Read. Well, since you, you didn't get caught up on our podcast because you didn't realize we posted a new episode, we our first episode was about time as a circle. And we attempted to explain it, but it, we did not do it the same justice that you could do it. So could you give us like a brief, brief... Um, explanation of time as a circle, at least as brief as you can make it, because it's not a brief concept, I know.
1: Brief, brief uh, time in general is it's it's even contested whether it's even a dimension in itself or not. And if it is, we are only able to move through that dimension one way. So um, it's basically the difference between two variables. <clears throat> that's all it is. And that's why people think that time itself is not a dimension of space. It's-
0: hurts my head. Was that brief enough?
3: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I would say so. Yes. Um, So what was your very first investigation?
1: Uh, Do as I say, not as I do. So um, Uh I remember, (laughs) um, (laughs) I remember going uh, with the same friend and some other friends and they uh, wanted to go start doing that stuff. And we didn't really know there was, we were teenagers, so we were doing it the wrong way. And, um, going to old uh, I remember going to an old dilapidated house on a piece of property up in northern Michigan uh this falling apart house with just uh, the windows aren 't there the doors aren 't there, and walking through my first experience I thought I had a ghostly experience it was a raccoon uh <laughs> in a cupboard in this dark <laughs> empty house that we shouldn't have been in um and then again doing it the wrong way i didn't know at the time uh going into to cemetery when you weren't supposed to overnight and just trying to take a simple um analog recorder one of those ones that had like the two side that the little mini tape and just record and um i will never forget forget the first voice i'll never forget the first voice i had it was near a tombstone i don't remember what we said but um a clear man. Um, what do you want? I remember that. And that, <laughs> that, when that happened, um, it's so, I'm so far removed from it now, but I still remember the feeling sort of, of the mind blowing change of reality that wow, this phenomenon that I was reading about from Friedrich Jürgensen and Constantine Raudiva was, uh, was possible. It was real then I started going through every way in my mind. How, how was that possible? Was it a car passing by? Was it something else? And it was a voice. So um, that's how I started the wrong way. Like going into these properties that we weren't supposed to be in. Honestly.
3: I really do think that's how a lot of people get started. (laughs) Yes. And
0: as someone who also started off that way, I can tell all of our listeners don't do it that way, please.
3: There are legitimate ways to explore <laughs> places.
0: Uh, do you remember what your first official place would have been?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, I don't think we were breaking a law, but I um, <laughs> m- oh, boy. M- my mother worked in Michigan, Northern Michigan, uh, as an interpreter at a place called um, Fort Mackinac And it's up in the northern tip of the lower peninsula where you would you know take the boat to Mackinac Island if you've heard that uh-huh. this reproduction fort built on the same site of this 18th century fort and it was so old and there was always stories of it being haunted and um um my mom and her 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 coworkers actually finding a corpse like bones in um a chicken coop oh. and they named the guy and it it was just um Oh man. So it was super haunted. And I remember just being there after hours helping get ready and um, secretly sneaking a recorder and trying to do some stuff while I, you know, like no one else knew what was going on. Um, maybe that was my first official, but going into a site, that really wasn't a thing uh, until I think after the popularity of maybe ghost hunters in the mid 2000s, that sites would actually open up and charge and let people come in. It wasn't a thing. So I remember a few, um, I guess you could call them cases. It wasn't well formed back then, but of like family members and friends and just going in their house and listening to their stories and trying to at least catch some kind of evidence to corroborate what they were saying, mostly in the beginning.
0: I hadn't thought about that, that there probably wouldn't have been a lot of places to legitimately do investigations at before the rise of popularity of this sort of thing.
1: I mean, they brought, all the ones that were there now uh, were there then, but it was definitely trespassing back then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just my entire life, it's always been a part of popular culture. I feel like because I grew up watching go shows with my mom, so thinking back farther than that just wasn't a thing to me. So, oh.
1: yeah, I mean, for as much as some people hate those shows and don't like them, it really did at least open the dialogue uh, in society about these things. Oh, yeah, and get sure. to a point where you could talk about it. Even if that person thinks you're crazy, you could still talk <laughs> about it. It was something that was in popular culture, at least. Fair enough. Most people do think we're crazy though.
2: Oh this yeah, is true. Definitely.
1: I'm okay with that.
2: Cool. With it. why not? So I want to talk about the business, the business that, you know, started off as haunted Cincinnati tours and is now flying pig tours. So like, when did you first come up with the idea to start the business?
1: When I first moved from Michigan to, to Cincinnati in 2008, um, I loved it. It was like this old historic town on the Ohio River. And I saw that I was reading about all this history. I've always loved history. And I looked up a local history tour. I wanted to take a tour uh, uh, and learn some history of the place. And there was none. So really, um, I just started doing my own research and looking up different historical things. And I started realizing the more I looked the more intermingled were these stories about the most famous um, historical properties also having strange activity, like being haunted. So I thought, well, wouldn't that be something? I love history and um, definitely interested in the paranormal side or the unexplained. So it wasn't long. I mean, it was a few months after that I couldn't find a tour that I was just researching all of my time and energy. It was a new place. I was really excited to find these Um, and I started going out for myself and trying to visit these places. Some of them are public, you know, like, um, Eden park, for example, in the beginning going there and, um, hearing stories about an apparition there and then researching the whole Remus case Mm -hmm. where he murdered his wife there in the park. And, uh, so then I started to visit different locations, ask around and sort of developed a tour based on what I thought were the most, most authentic uh, places around, the downtown Cincinnati area in the beginning. And that's how it started. It was a love of his history and the paranormal that didn't exist. So I was inspired to create that, I guess.
0: Well, you heard it here first, Dan pioneered the <laughs> tour industry. In <laughs> Cincinnati. <laughs> I feel like that's most people in this world though. Like you gotta have some passion for history as well. I feel like,
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Like
0: they're, they're ingrained within one another. You can't get one without the other.
1: Yeah, just going in old buildings, I'm that person that's just walking around and looking at the walls and saying, "Hey, what used to hang here? Was that did that used to be a window a door? What did they use that for?" I'm very interested in like, you know, what they how they used the building 100 years ago and I'm that nerd. Um, I trying and to we have a lot
0: of people on tours that that's just what they're there for is the history. Like, yeah. they don't believe in ghosts personally, but they think it's fascinating to hear about everything that happened. So,
2: And thank God for those people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, going in line with the business and you getting into it and stuff, what advice would you think you would want to give someone that wants to get into the world of the paranormal themselves?
1: My first piece of advice would be to sit down, ask yourself why you're interested, write down on a piece of paper, what, what's drawing you there. Um, is it the thrill? Is it that adre- ch- chasing adrenaline? Is it helping people? There's really no right answer, but I think it will give you a clear path as to what where, where you should go. Um, some people just like to do it in their spare time just to see if what they watch on television is real for themselves. And that's okay. If that's what you want to do, then, then do that. Um, and then I'm pretty sure as people have experiences that changes and you need to revisit that um every few years i've done that my in my life just revisited like what am i drawn to now what makes me happy where where do i want to go next and i feel like that's where people need to start ask yourself maybe your top 3 reasons of why you're interested in doing this if fame and fortune is one of them yeah that's not a good not a good um choice <laughs> i mean the tv shows are mostly gone now i think anyways but there's no fame. There's no fortune in it. It's just basically um, something that you can learn for yourself. And having these experiences is not something that you can just always throw out there and show others and have them believe or appreciate what that is. It's a very personal experience. So I don't know. That was, that was my goal in the beginning to sort of open eyes when I realized it was real. And then after a short time on on the path, path, I realized that's not my goal. It doesn't matter what they think. Um, It's more personal. I've been in in real haunted homes where you just can't, the belief is very powerful. And if you, you can show them video of an apparition and voices and you can show moving objects and to them, that's not possible. So it's not anything but um, the wind or whatever else they're putting in their mind. You have to respect that, too, that, that whatever they believe is true for them.
3: That's fair. Yeah, my uh, boss kept asking me, he's like, why don't you turn your ghost thing into a career? And I was like, because I would live in abject poverty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you live in a van down by the river.
3: <laughs> yeah, like, he was. He did not get that. He, <sighs> he's just thinking of, like, Zach Baggins. And I was like, not everyone can be Zach Baggins. I'm
0: not sure everyone wants to be Zach no. Baggins. No.
3: He has a lot of money, though.
1: He does, he does have a lot of have money. a
2: lot of money. At he least he finally came years. clean. Damn.
1: <laughs> he came clean finally, at least said, don't do what I do. His personal life is a mess still, years later. It's, it's just bad, bad things. Bad juju all around him.
3: Yeah. I should think. Yeah. Some of the stuff I mean, he says.
0: Anyways, without wanting to risk getting sued. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, we know that you've, uh, you've written several books uh, on the subject of the paranormal, correct?
1: A few, yeah
0: a few. Uh, When did you write your first one?
1: 2010? Wow. How can I remember now? 2009. 2009? 2010? I wrote a book called um, Ghosts of Cincinnati, The Dark Side of the Queen City. And that was really uh, just a culmination of all that research that I did in the business. Kind of putting that into a narrative, all the cool stories around the city of the history, and then how Possibly some of these unexplained events might tie into those historical facts. That was, I think, 2009, 2010. I can't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how many uh, How many have you written in total?
1: Uh, written or released? Because <laughs> I've only ever had two releases. And then, you know, um, it seemed like a lifetime later in 2013, I released that... Uh, the another book in the Haunted America series called Ghosts of Bobby Mackey's Music World, and uh, closed that chapter in my life. And wow, it's been eight years since that it doesn't feel like it, but uh, I've been sort of like uh, culminating uh, or curating different things over the years, over the past probably five years. I have um, it's not in manuscript form, but definitely like w- lessons learned what we think is happening, best practices I'd like to put out at some point. And I'm not saying I'm right. This is just, you know, that might help somebody else find their way. Yeah. I hope, I genuinely hope that in a hundred years from now that I hope this outlives us all. And I really hope that they look back at us and go, wow, these people were so dumb. They didn't have the brain implant chip in their brain to talk to spirits. They thought that they were, they used like electromagnetic meters. They were so stupid. They didn't know what they were doing. I hope they say that. I hope it, it progresses to the point where people say, wow, they were really stupid because then we did our job. Well,
0: <laughs> if that is the case, then they can personally tell us that we're stupid. That's true. And I look forward to that day. I'll oh, <laughs> To be paraded when I'm dead for how dumb I was.
2: And we will haunt them and we'll be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs>
3: Okay, so what is your favorite and or most profound thing you've experienced or caught?
0: Wow. Question.
1: Yeah, it's a loaded
3: question. Very loaded question.
1: The 20 plus years you've been doing this. Pick one. I don't know that I can pick an event as I've gone on, especially in the last three or four years. It's not one event. it's these it's turned into these string of strange things. Do I don't know like, like- profound experience. Um, the the few times I've seen something, um, I can't pin down one. But if you've never experienced seeing uh, an apparition that's solid and then trying to resolve that they're not actually there, it's a really weird feeling. Um, that I really feel like no one can explain unless you live it. It's this weird mind trick where you're you're really scared and your your brain lays this dense memory that's pretty accurate because you don't forget that stuff, but it also feels like a dream because you can't work out in your logical brain how that is possible, possible. Even if even if you believe. Um, but I don't know if I have if I have one. I it's ongoing. I think my most profound experiences yet to come because i'm starting to see synchronicities i'm starting to see multiple things happening in my life um when when things happen around my house and the footsteps and the voices that come it's usually a precursor to other things Uh, i i don't know how to answer that that is a loaded question i feel like i haven't had my most profound experience yet
0: No, I can agree with that because it feels like every couple months now, I'm always saying that's the most profound thing that's ever happened to me. Like that's the most profound thing we've ever caught, and then a couple months later, like no, now this is the most profound thing. It's definitely an evolving. Um, I don't know what word I was wanting to use there—an evolving thing. I guess I don't know.
3: Current most profound experiences, I think, or was I think I'm dead? Yeah, I think I'm dead. That's the current most profound for me.
1: Um, we've we've all been dead for a long time. (laughs) uh, to get here i definitely agree with the
0: apparition thing though because (laughs) you try to rationalize it so hard and i've seen a full body apparition once and it was at post town um and i I still think back to it pretty constantly like was that person really there like come on like they had to be like there's no way there's a person just standing there like it's something that like i fully believe in the paranormal but i still am attempting to rationalize it so i completely agree with what you're saying
2: I will also say I don't think I've had my profound, my most profound thing yet. I wish I had.
1: That's because you don't go
2: exactly, which is why I was like, I wish I had. had, Like I wish it was over, but it's like I know it's not going
1: to be. That's the thing, though. Like something switched, something changed, and just doing work away from haunted buildings, trying to make contact with good spirits and your own spirit team and things like that—that has been more profound for me. Um, It unfolds over time. You get these little tidbits that you don't understand until months later when some other researcher who doesn't even know you gets something and then it validates everything that you experienced. And you're saying, Oh my God, what, how is this happening? Um, I don't even know how to explain it, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's ongoing.
0: I can respect that answer,
1: but here's the most profound thing. It's not who they are. It's not why they are. It's that they still are.
3: Yeah. I would agree. The with consciousness that. is
1: still there. The habits, the personalities are still there, and that's the most profound thing. Uh, so, trying to say which one's most profound, why is one better than the other? It's like saying you like Billy more than Tommy when you don't really know them. You know,
3: <laughs> that's yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay,
2: so I have a question. So we obviously know that, like. Becca, your wife, very interested in the paranormal like you are. But like are other people in your family interested in the paranormal? Like were your parents ever like super into it or anything like that?
0: Are you the redheaded stepchild at like (laughs) uh, family gatherings? Like, oh, there's the weirdo Dan.
1: Um, My baby. Yeah, I think (laughs) to, to some of them. But no, no one else in my family ever was interested in this and hasn't been since. But, you know, around the holidays, you'll ask questions like those really tough ones. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen? And it's like, uh, I don't know how to explain it to somebody. Even if I told you, even if I had a number one, I don't know how I would explain that in words.
0: Yeah. You you know, because it's so personal. It's more
1: about emotion and feeling and knowing a truth in your head that you can't tell someone else in words.
3: They also usually don't believe you half the time. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, right. And I'm like why'd you ask
1: then (laughs) some of some people don't want to i mean some people i think it it scares them some people are legitimately scared of just thinking about their own death that's scary to people i feel like i'm lucky to feel okay with that to know at least have some idea that something else goes on a lot of people don't have that a lot of people think that this just eternal darkness or that they're scared of that time. And I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like we are lucky to know that there is more because it gives you a better perspective on what life is really about. And I feel like for me, it's really helped me to appreciate the small things. Like this is one hell of a hard existence. I always just tell myself whether it's true or not, like, Hey, you probably chose this existence. You chose it to be this hard because you're evolved or something. I I, don't know if it's true, but I tell myself that in my head to get through. And uh, it's about extracting these really small moments. I feel like in this overall picture, that's really primitive, very violent, very negative and trying to overcome all of that in one day by just the smell of a flower or the sight of a sunrise. That's what it's about to me.
0: <laughs> that made Alicia smile. Very well. <laughs> it did. Um, I, I am curious about you and Becca. So, like, was she always into the paranormal, or was that something that developed after she met you? Was that a first date subject, <laughs> or <laughs> it's
1: a funny story? Um, not really, not really. Um, uh, her one of her good friends booked a ghost tour that i was doing and back then it was like so primitive i was just sending out like manual emails as confirmations way back in the day and uh it didn't come fast enough and her girlfriend almost said hey this is a scam this is a scam and we're not going there and it almost got canceled but um they came we met and she was interested i think she was interested to learn that people do that work too and trying to do stuff and then Wow. It was like a natural click for her. I remember doing a conference and appearing and she did a workshop with a couple of um, better known uh, psychics like um, Rosalind Bound from uh, uh, I can't remember what and like Scotty Rorick and they did this workshop and she came out of it and was able to do things. It was like magic. It just clicked for her. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if you, if, Everyone believes that you're look, you have a path of destiny, or you're supposed to do this. But it very much seems like she's where she's supposed to be at. That was, I mean, it, it would take a weird woman to marry me, anyways, to <laughs> to have this weird stuff happening in the, in our in our house and in our life, and to understand and appreciate that it's normal. <laughs> so.
0: That's really sweet. I had no idea that you were <laughs> I
2: know. I didn't know you met on a tour. That makes me so happy. <laughs>
0: now I am convinced that I have to do more tours so I can meet my wife.
3: Cole, <laughs> well, you want to do the tours on Friday?
1: <laughs> I cannot.
3: If it works, it works. It's
1: like when you stop trying. When you at least expect it, it will just happen for you. You'll just meet somebody.
3: <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite place that you've investigated?
1: Favorite?
0: I know you've been a lot of places, so be tough.
1: I guess I would say, and this is because of my personality and what I'm drawn to. I am very interested in places like the Ohio State Reformatory, and uh, um, it's a little bit higher level haunt than a regular haunted house. But I'm, but for me, I'm very interested in that reality and why that would happen. And why would you be still in a prison when you were imprisoned your entire human life? Um, those kind of places really mind boggle me because I feel like if our personality survives, then maybe some sort of psychology process survives as well. And I've often wondered if down the line, if someone could actually develop some psychological treatment for spirits that it mean, if they're having the same personality they had when they were alive why wouldn't it work at least in a somewhat similar way if they're not leaving um
2: i'm sensing a tv show right now <laughs> a ghost psychic yeah like
3: a ghost psychiatrist yeah player? a ghost psychiatrist think of what a good show that would be
1: <laughs> i mean i'm weird i think you guys have probably been with me when seen it like at the end of a night when someone's done i sometimes try to have a heart to heart i try to understand i want to understand what their reality is like and what what do they see what do they hear can they hear me can they see me what what are their motivations how many times have you heard me ask do you have a ghost job i've never got an answer but like do you have a job that. where you are and um it, they're doing something but i don't know if we can understand what their ultimate goal is even those ones who are hanging around so I'm always interested in that stuff. Like why, especially in a place that has a history of suffering or negativity, why, why would you stay there? Why would you relive that or keep staying there?
0: It's definitely a great place to try and get those answers because it's a very, very active place. Mm-hmm.
3: Does that mean you enjoy old Licking County Jail? <laughs> Because <laughs> you talked about it before where you you sound like you hate
1: that place. I don't like the negative places. I feel like I can't really learn much except for I do try to sometimes I want to better understand. Better understand it to make sure I'm not misunderstanding. I want to disconfirm my beliefs that that these entities are always going to be negative and they're always going to be murderers and always going to be rapists. I want to disconfirm that belief and find something that shows that there is hope for change after death. Does that make sense? I don't know if we can ever see it from yeah. our side of where we're looking at through, through the, you know, cosmic lens, but I'm always really interested about redemption and what that looks like in other realms of existence. It's interesting proof for thought, but I don't know if it, I don't think it's knowable. I'm not sure it's knowable for us. Some things are just not knowable. I've, um, the physics of their movement, the way they see everything at one time, it's just not knowable. We can sort of use an, an ideology or try to like uh, brainstorm ideas of what it might be like, but we'll never know because we're not, we're stuck in these three dimensions where these four dimensional beings moving in three dimensions of space.
0: <laughs> Once again, giving me a headache. <laughs> just thinking about <laughs> it. He's,
2: just, he's well, just, I, I ask my you. haunted yeah.
3: doll questions sometimes then and, now that I have the pendulum, he can give me more exact answers. And so I asked him if he can walk around because he's like, his spirit is attached to the figurine. But he told me he can walk around and he actually has a very wide radius where he can go because he can go outside even though he's in my room. And he told me he can sit on furniture. And I asked him if he can move things around. And he told me no, and that only some spirits have the ability to move things around. So then I was like, or not necessarily move things around, but make noises. Like, only some of them can make knocking noises. Not every one of them can. So then that begs the question, are there, like, tiers of ghosts or something? I don't know. I, I And he doesn't know. Like, he's just one ghost.
0: He's fourth dimensional and those are fifth
3: dimensional. So yeah,
2: the only ghost I mean, he hangs out with is a cat. So, like, he's not going to get much. Now he,
3: he doesn't really know what's going on. But he's if I ask him questions about the paranormal, he will answer them usually but I try to tread carefully. I don't want to say something that would upset him.
1: But that's, that could be that specific spirits viewpoint.
3: Yes. That's the thing. Like, I I don't know. I need, because
1: he's probably so many times and no one's ever noticed. Maybe
3: more haunted dolls.
1: That's, that's the, the,
3: uh, (laughs) find more haunted dolls.
0: Yeah. Just think about how we all have differing perspectives and viewpoints as people that are alive. Like, I believe one thing wholeheartedly, but other people believe other things wholeheartedly. So you got to collect data from more ghosts. I, I
3: do. I, I need a, uh, like, uh, Oh, what's it called? Those data books. I need one of those big data books and just oh, everyone right here.
1: Yeah. You need like a scientific log. Yes. Yes.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I like. have several
1: of those. Yeah. So it's all about perspective though. Cause, what if I feel like oh, seeing a ghost or interacting is pretty rare because we walk through these places and never hear or see much at all. It takes a long time. But what if there's thousands of them, literally thousands, screaming and yelling and uh, throwing things, and it's just an environmental factor that's not right. I mean, what if that like, what if I'm totally wrong? What if it's just an environmental factor and until the humidity is seventy one point three two percent, nothing's going to be perceived. You know, we just don't know that. Um. But I, I do get the same responses from Spirits. And I think you guys have heard some too. When you ask them what's going on, they're just as confused as we are. Yeah, they don't have They don't just die and know the answer. Like, uh, where's Jimmy Hoffa? Like, that doesn't happen. It doesn't seem <laughs> like, you know.
0: All right. So Mansfield, Ohio State is your favorite. Do you have a least favorite location? Some place that you just don't care to go
1: back to? Uh,
3: other than Bobby Mackey's. Let's, let's make that yeah, clear. You gonna... cannot pick Bobby Mackey's because that's the obvious one for you. <laughs>
1: I don't know about not going back, other than that place. But there are there are a couple of places that I've turned down a lot of invitations to. Um, uh, I have to think about that. Um, never go back for sure. I don't have to know that never I go have, back. Just I mean, but there's been places like Penhurst Asylum, for example. Like people want to go there, and as much as I am interested in why people would stay around, I don't have any desire to go confirm that that people are still there that you know suffered terrible torture or children that died Uh, some of those things just don't attract me anymore i just feel like i'm not going to learn anything good about it so
0: best to stay away from it yeah
1: yeah so for me it's more like which which places would i not go to or stay away from like penhurst than it is that um I've ever been so negatively affected. I wouldn't go back, except for one place. Yeah,
0: yeah, that one place that we won't ask you to talk <laughs> about any yeah. further.
3: Yeah, we went to Trans Allegheny uh, recently, and there was um, we didn't get like a significant amount of paranormal activity, but you could feel it.
0: Oh yeah, it's definitely in the yeah. air. There.
3: It, it, there was definitely like the
2: weird. There was like the energy was there, but it's like they just didn't really. They didn't want to talk to us, well, which there is understandable. A lot of out
0: and about and Yeah. You know, we had some rude. Karen. We had some rude people on our tour. Something did pull my bag, though. That's true. Something did pull my bag very aggressively, and that's pretty much the only thing that we got in two hours. But
3: and yeah, even during the day, you can feel it.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, it's just one of those places, like Gettysburg, or I'm sure Perry'sville feels the same way. It's just it's in the air.
1: Those places you can walk through and just go, something's not right here. Yeah, yeah. There has to be something to energy that we can sense because. Look, you can do that in a regular operating hospital today. Just go in a hospital that's operating. When you go in there, it's uneasy. It's weird because I feel like, okay, you know it's a hospital, but I feel there's more to that. Like, you can sense that, that grief and sorrow spilled in the environment, that suffering. It's, there's something more to it than just knowing it's a creepy hospital. You can feel it. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Yeah,
3: so there's definitely. something
1: more beyond our regular understanding of senses, I feel. The sixth sense?
0: yeah just knowing that there's bad energy somewhere i don't know well not necessarily bad but intense differing i don't know
1: just that we have some capability to sense um other things outside of ourselves look at some of the greatest minds in the world can't agree if we have 25 27 33 senses they can't agree how many there even are
0: more than five though that's for sure (laughs) um so last question about locations uh do you think – is there any place that would be your dream location, like anywhere that you haven't been that you would just love to go?
1: Definitely. Alcatraz.
0: Alcatraz.
1: <laughs> I, if I could get one night against Alcatraz, I would. that would really um, be interesting to me.
0: That tracks. Yeah. Alcatraz is also on my bucket list, so it makes sense.
1: Do they even – Try to understand why they're still there and understand what that whole reality is like. Is it still – is it still sort of um, isolated like the island is where they are? Is it different? Uh, that would be my, my top spot. It's a good choice. Uh,
2: yeah, that's a, yeah. a pretty good choice. So let's talk about your podcast, Dan, because your podcast just started. You have two episodes out. I mean, it'll be probably three or four by the time this episode comes out. Um, do you want to tell our listeners about it so they can come and find your podcast?
1: Sure. Yeah. I started a podcast called hauntingly ever after, uh, over the years at all these events and different being different people, I've heard a lot of stories and I'm a people person. So I feel like out there in the media or even at events, you can hear a lot of like people's personal ghost stories or what they've experienced. But, um, my podcast is really looking and deep diving into what that means to the human experience. Um, other psychological changes, um, some guests uh, find a new community they didn't know existed to support them. Some of them are outcasts from their families entirely just because of some, something that happened to them. Um, it's it's just an interesting sort of uh, dive into not only the experiences that they had, but how it altered their life path. Basically, you want yeah.
3: something Significantly more structured than our rambling, <laughs> Dan's podcast is perfect for that. Yes,
1: <laughs> some people like. Some people don't like structured. I, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. So it's a narrative podcast. We go through uh, the story from uh, start to finish with uh, with a guest over multiple episodes, and give you a chance to. Uh, I mean, I've been lucky enough to have some of the most famous people in the world open up to me and tell me um, details that have never been been disclosed before, because no one's ever asked. It's about that human side of it. That when. The lights go off, and no one's asking you questions. What does your life look like in the fallout of some really extreme usually uh paranormal events that happen to you?
3: Currently, Dan is doing the conjuring house with the Perrin family, and Dan, I noticed you had some exclusive stories that have never been told before Yes, that you've gotten out of um
1: oh a few know. have come out already, yes, yeah, yeah. there's more yes that's.
0: If that's not reason enough to go listen to Dan's podcast, I don't know what it is the Conjuring House exclusive stories from it. Only on his podcast.
3: And they're pretty good stories.
2: Oh yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, honestly, so I'm we all know I'm the big wuss here. I've never even seen the conjuring guys, but I was completely fascinated listening to these episodes when I was driving to work. It was incredible. I just could not believe it it was over when i finished the second episode i was like oh god what
3: am i gonna do
1: (laughs) it's one of those cases that are so profound it's so profound and so like over the top it's just uh it's hard to believe and the family says that but there were so many witnesses and so many family and friends that saw stuff too but but um you know the warner brothers making the movie there were some parts of that story that they wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole it was just too scary they they weren't they were tried anything they could do to get a PG thirteen rating, even the way it was. And Warner Brothers told my friend Andrea, you know, the oldest daughter in the house for that story that, that it was just too scary. That there was nothing they could do to get a PG thirteen. It was just an R movie because it was too scary. And that was leaving out, I would say, eighty percent of the craziest things that happened to them. That are I still happening to them.
0: Yes, yes. you had mentioned that that we don't we don't want to spoil it for anybody that was like listen.
3: No, I don't want to spoil it, but um, some connections are lifelong. Yeah, I I enjoyed the story from um, when their mom had her first experience alone. That was my favorite story because that was crazy. So everyone should listen to it just for that story. (laughs) It's in the second (laughs) episode. But um, do you know approximately how many episodes you think the Conjuring arc will be?
1: Uh, I think we're turning. I think I, uh, about five, so episode right. three, which okay. will come out the the week of yeah, you know, what we in August, uh, week of August second. But I think yeah, about five, um, to give it the full justice that it deserves and delve into these points that have never been talked about before. It's really important because some people might be experiencing similar things, and if we just sweep it under the rug forever and don't talk about the hard topics, then who who is that helping? Yeah, that's how I feel. So I've been very lucky to have people open up to me um, about you know um, UFO, UFO abduction experiences, um, animal experiences, past lives, all kinds of stuff. So it, yeah, it's a journey with the person, and I feel like by the end you really understand their experience in a much more human way than just a ghost story. Um, although I'm sure, I don't, not sure anyone can really ever hundred percent appreciate some of these stories because if you don't live it, you just can't fully comprehend what that change is like in your life.
2: How did you meet Andrea and her family?
1: I met Andrea at a paranormal conference in Michigan in about 2017. It's the funniest story. My wife Becca remembers well, because we met and it, both of us, Andrea and I felt like we knew each other from uh, somewhere else. It was just this weird thing. This like older lady who reminds me of, uh, B. Arthur from golden girls <laughs> looks like her, talks like her. And, um, it was just the weirdest experience. Like I just knew her. And then she came up to me the first time we met and she kissed me on the lips. <laughs> my, wife, <laughs> my wife, Becca was, and that's just how she is. She's just a very loving person. Um, very open affectionate and uh so i met her she has a whole other side of her life that is since the conjuring i won't get too much into because we're going to cover that in the future Mm but um where it's sort of graduated from haunted haunted experiences to ufo type uap experiences and i remember her taking us down by the bay of this lake in northern michigan And saying, I'm going to sing, and then they're going to come. And we all thought she was nuts. And wouldn't you know it, um, a group of us are out there, and these ships in the sky started appearing. I can't explain it. I probably shouldn't tell people this, um, even though I believe in some things. But um, So she's very complicated and a great person. Just the whole family is really just some of the best people I've I've ever met um, that just had terrible things happen to them. But... Yeah. I met her at a conference and we had this profound experiences together and then had just been kind of friends ever since.
0: It's actually amazing. I know. Oh That's so
3: cool. Oh my God. So do you have a dream podcast guest?
1: Maybe. Um, I am currently trying very hard to um, find a way in to cover the Amityville case it's a very complicated case over the years it's been sort of like um sort of like uh i don't know just laid out that it was a hoax and it's not entirely true um there were a lot of really weird things that happened that a lot of witnesses saw and you know when one kid hoaxed one thing it just took the whole thing down so um i really want to get a good like a human examination of that there are several family members involved some of them are still in therapy um one person who did the murders is still in prison. So that's a tough one I'm working on there, but um, I would like to give that justice and really look at the human side because um, even if one or two things were a hoax, very much a lot of it was documented and seen by dozens of people. And just looking at how that affects people, uh, one um well, two people in particular, I, I won't name yet because we're, we're not 100% on board, are in lifelong therapy because of it still as grown adults uh, because of what they witnessed and went through God. in that house. So I think that one is one that I like to tackle eventually. Um, it's very complicated and very complex, and there's so many layers to it to t- totally understand how one person's experience is totally different from someone else's in the same environment.
3: Yeah, that family does deserve a little bit of justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed.
0: That could definitely be beneficial to a lot of people, I feel like if something could be uncovered, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so I hope eventually, right now I'm trying to tackle down some of the uh, older researchers in our community that are don't have that many years left, like a, like a Mark Macy, a Hans Koenig, uh, people who have done amazing like ITC work, for example trying to pin them down because I just am acutely aware that time is precious even to us. So um, I thought time wasn't real.
3: (laughs) Our, our, our thought version of time is ticking.
1: (laughs) Time is not real. No, it's not real. No, it's not real. We perceive it as a, again, it's just a measurement between two variables we measure it from the beginning of a day to the end of a day or from the beginning of our life to the end of our life. But it's a social construct. It doesn't have much meaning, especially in the quantum realm. It doesn't mean much.
0: Way beyond my head. (laughs) So, uh, we got one last very important question for you, Dan, before we, uh, let you go. Uh, we've been very appreciative of your time, and giving us a lot of awesome answers, learned a lot of lore about Dan. I feel like a lot of background that we didn't know before. (laughs) Wow. All right, so last but not least, when are you going on another investigation with us? We miss you.
1: <laughs> I am kind of jonesing to get out. <clears throat> uh, I haven't been out since, wow, I, last place I went was uh, Randolph County Asylum, I think, in Indiana. And that's you been, went there with the Campbells, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's been like a long time. Has it been a whole year? I can't tell time anymore. Time I'm <laughs> not, not being real. Has Society been- being broken still is just totally mind bending to me. I can't, I don't have any, I don't have any, uh, like references of how much time has passed. <laughs> Cause like things aren't <laughs> open and school's not normal and there's nothing, I, I, it might have been a year ago.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It's tough to, uh, remember things. We had to sit down when we like went to record our, uh, recap episode for the, First episode of the season we had to sit down and like write down like month by month okay what happened because it was such a it's very hard to keep track of stuff nowadays
3: and we probably forgot half the stuff that happened here yeah. we were like uh, yeah.
0: yeah it's fine <laughs> was that a year ago or was that two two days ago i don't remember Anyways. yeah
1: hey one place i would love to expose you guys to that is different different in scope different in overcoming challenges that perryville battlefield down in kentucky it's not that far is one of those places that you just it just has a vibration.
0: Yeah, I've Uh, heard a lot of people have like... Two
1: times there, groups of people are seeing these figures. It's some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. And again, maybe it's just a replay. Maybe it's just residual, but it's profound. So we have to get out there. It's outdoors. It's a huge battlefield. When you're out there, there's like, you know, you're looking at night vision binoculars, thinking you see a spirit, but it's a deer. So uh, it's challenging, but it's really... Um, crazy the the voices and the things that we've seen and heard there. Got, we gotta get you I, out I, there and have a different kind okay. of experience out in the open.
0: I've spoken to multiple people that have told me that like the most profound stuff they ever experienced was at Perryville. So definitely love to have it on our radar.
1: Yeah, I will tell I you. And I found a relative of mine who fought on the Confederate side um, in my family and actually died there. And when I went there, I was able to find his record, and the custodian there of the records was able to show me on the hill where he died. Um, charging this hill so that was kind oh of God, profound for me <laughs> just to sit there in the middle of the night just think about what that fight meant um what what was what he was thinking about what the union was thinking about um but yeah that was that one that they tried to infiltrate the north and basically the confederates win we might be looking at a whole different country yeah that battle come out differently Oh. it's just it's just a very good place just for mindfulness and just to sit there and just be aware of your thoughts and just sort over of time. contemplate in those spaces where so many like brave people fought for what they believed in, no matter which side you think is right that they were willing to go to the death on this site over something some idea It's really moving mm-hmm.
0: yeah, definitely on our radar for sure, would definitely love to check it out. I know that you've been there multiple times, so I'm sure it'd be easy to line something up there. But I will tell you, um, we have a post down on August 14th, and that is Alex's last investigation before she leaves us for a year. So if you're free, that's there.
1: Okay, 14th. I'll put it on my calendar. I want I think I'm there.
3: We got some some good stuff with that gym guy
0: last time. We've been getting a lot of good stuff at Post Town.
1: Wait, wait, wait. In the gym or a guy named Jim?
0: A guy, guy named, named Jim.
1: Jim. He's back.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are
1: serious? Mm-hmm. We, used Dander, to, man, we used to get a uh, voice talking about Jim uh, or who claimed to be Jim God, 10 years ago, maybe? 8, 10 years ago? Long time.
3: Really? A long time ago? Well, maybe recently...
0: Yep. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
3: Recently, he's been there and my one of my sisters has been in the past few times and he keeps bothering my sister. So I went down there last time I was there and I was like, hey, Jim, I'm I'm sick of you bothering my sister. I think you should bother me instead. And Drew was doing a ghost box session and he had the headphones on. And he just kept going, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: like, he called you
3: feisty at one he point. He called me feisty at one point as well.
0: Oh, we've got yeah. a lot of cool stuff.
1: I've on. been called worse by spirits. That's not bad. Feisty.
3: Yeah, he didn't call me any rude names. He called someone else a rude name. And he just kept going, you're funny.
0: He, <laughs> he said some really misogynistic stuff. Uh, not last time, but two times ago. Uh, he, uh, Margaret, Alex's mom, was trying to ask a question and he just interrupts and goes, the men are talking.
1: Maybe we're dealing with a different gym then. That's not really? the gym I know.
0: Is the gym you know, like,
3: nice. not an <laughs> asshole? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, Correct. Yes. Yours sounds like a whole ass, not an asshole. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He's not
0: nice. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. Um, I'm sure you got stuff to do, Um, but we really appreciate your time again, Dan.
1: Thanks for having me. And I hope that, you know, um, your listeners keep talking about it and keep meeting people that are like minded and don't let someone else tell you what to believe. Just keep looking for your truth.
0: Yeah. Per- pursue what your passion is at all costs. I, I've been doing this for a couple of years now and I've formed so many lifelong friendships and experienced so much cool stuff that it's definitely worth it without a of second of hesitation on wanting to change the thing. So I agree completely. Don't let someone calling you weird or crazy or giving you a weird look deter you from pursuing something that you might be passionate about whether it be the world of the paranormal or
1: something else entirely or fish tacos. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, does anyone have any parting words for Dan?
0: No. Besides, thank you very much.
3: Yeah. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Alicia. You better get some more investigations under your belt so that you can keep doing this podcast. So people oh, don't feel yeah. like you don't know what you're talking about. You better get out there and get in some dark spaces. Maybe I'll, maybe get some handcuffs, I'll maybe we'll a you in a prison overnight.
2: Wide open. I'll do a battlefield, <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: plenty of space to run. Yes,
2: plenty of spaces for me to hide in.
0: Alright, well that being said, thank you everyone for listening and you guys have a good night.